A few weeks ago, just in passing, I mentioned uh, something and thought I'd bring it back up again. I, uh, I made a comment, I think just in passing, about a call and response, a question, answer. Sometimes we call this a, a catechism. And there's a bunch of them. They've been around for a long time. And it's really a concept. It's a, it's a summary of Christian principles and doctrine. That There's a question and then there's an answer. And the goal, especially early, earlier in history, was to memorize these and to be able to give a response. And it was particularly useful to help teach and train young individuals and new Christians in the doctrine and in the faith. We have gotten away from this over the last decades, maybe a couple of centuries or so, uh, but it's probably something we should revive because it helps us remember important things about our Christian life. And as I said, there's many of these. Uh, one question in particular has stuck with me for a few years, and it's the one I want to talk about today. It comes from the Westminster Catechism from 1646, so it's been around a while. The original version of that had, I think, 127 questions and answers. And anyone who could successfully repeat all the answers to the questions was traditionally given a Bible, which in 1600 was a very precious and valuable gift. So I'm not going to spend 126 Sundays <laughs> going through these, but just the one in particular. And I just thought it was appropriate because we have many in our congregation who are uh, new Christians and even those of us who've been in the faith for a while, this is a question that we should all ask ourselves repeatedly and know the answer to. So the question goes like this. What is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? Let me explain a couple of words there so we're all on the same page. Uh, when I say man, and when this was written man, it didn't mean just man versus woman or adult versus young person. It meant man is in mankind. This is the way the English language was developed. I like to help everyone remember this because I've heard some people who will say, well, the Bible is sexist because it only talks about men. In almost every case where it says man, it's talking about mankind, not necessarily just men. There are occasions where it does specifically refer to men. And if you look at the original Greek and Hebrew, you can see those differences. But in this case, the question is referring to people, mankind. And then the other part of this is, what is the chief end? And again, this is just language maybe not as familiar to us, but beautiful in the way it was written. So the chief would be the, the main or the point. What is the point? What is the main focus that we're talking about here? So say, what is the chief end of man? We say, what is the main point? What is the, the purpose of man? And we talk about the end, that is what it's all about. So the question is, what are we here for? Why are we here? What is the purpose of all this? And that's the question. The answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's very simple. But as I've said before, simple doesn't mean easy, does it? So the question is, what is, man, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, I'll go ahead and give you the answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so I want to discuss this today for a little bit. I have a few scriptures to look at, and I want us to really think about this. 
So what is the main purpose, the plan? What is the purpose is to glorify him. Now, I want to start with 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Now, I have no doubt that I have heard this verse many times in my life, but when I went to college, I went to a, a small Christian college, this verse was like plastered everywhere. And specifically, every computer screen, whether it was one in your dorm room that they gave to us or one in a computer lab or one in the hallway somewhere, had this verse printed on it. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Again, a very uh, simplistic verse, but very difficult to do. And the point of this verse goes in line with the answer to the question, whatever it is that we do, we're to do it for the glory of God. Another little background, when I was, I guess, middle school to high school, I remember a couple of Bible studies at the church, and we would take these... um, like spiritual assessments. Y'all ever done that to see what your spiritual gifts are? We'd talk about what God's purpose and plan for our life was. This became even more important as we got older in high school and began to think about jobs and colleges and dating and all these types of things. And so we'd go through sometimes these workbooks to try and help us figure this out. But my dad, in his infinite wisdom, would always throw water on it somehow. Let me explain. So here's the question we all want to know. What's my purpose? What does God want me to do it for my life? And, and maybe sometimes the older we get, the less we ask that question. But maybe we should ask it more often the older we get. But this is a very common thing to ask ourselves when we're very young. What job should I have? Who should I date? Where should I move to? Where should I go to college? What should I study in school? All these questions seem to mount as we begin to age, and all of us rightly want to know what God wants us to do. And so we'd have these Bible studies, and we'd explore these options, and we'd list things out, and we'd look at this, and we'd read scriptures. And I'd come home and sometimes discuss this with my father, and when I said he would pour water on it, he would say, well, could be that God wants you to specifically go to that school. It could be that God specifically says you need to do this job, or it could be that God just says, love me the most. I'd be like, but dad, that's, that's not the answer I want, right? Like, I want to know where I'm supposed to go to school. I want to know what I'm supposed to do as a career for the rest of my life. I want to know who I'm supposed to marry. I want to know how many kids I'm supposed to have. I want to know, I want to know, I want to know the specific answers to the things in my life that I cared about. And what he would repeatedly tell me is, Maybe, but more important than finding out the specific thing that you think you're supposed to do is that you live a life for God. Basically paraphrasing this, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And so this is a question we should ask ourselves. It's said young or old, it doesn't matter. What does God want you to do? And I think sometimes we get really caught up with this and we miss the point. And I think we miss the point for two reasons. One is loving God and giving him the glory in everything that we do 
I think sometimes is more difficult than having a very specific pinpointed go do X. It's hard. And I think sometimes it's not satisfying to us because we're very goal-oriented. We want to go this direction. And if the Lord leads in that direction, then we should go there. And I want to be clear. I'm not sure I am. There are times in our lives that God very specifically directs us for things that we are supposed to do. And there are times in our lives that God very specifically directs us for things that we are not supposed to do. And then there is other times... When whatever we do, we should do it to the glory of God. And that seems, at least in my experience, to encompass more of my life where I have choices and opportunities. Some may be better than others, but the point in whatever it is that I do is that I love him the most and give him the glory. Now, there are exceptions, as I said. Sometimes he very specifically tells us what to do. I have told you before, standing behind this pulpit is not my choice. I 100% believe and can back it up with scripture that God very specifically calls men to preach his word. This is not a choice that I made as a young man or even getting older. This is not something I went to school for four years and then got done so now I could do this. This is something that God called me to do and qualified me through that call. It is very specific, and I am not allowed to stop doing it until he tells me otherwise. And if I'm going to be honest with you, some days that's very frustrating. Not today, but some days it is. But in general, whether God, whether you end up working for Nissan, or farming, or providing housing for people, or selling Tickets to a movie, or you're a lifeguard, or you're a student, or you work at a factory, or you deal with insurance claims. Everyone's smiling now. You see my point. God may or may not have specifically told Bruce exactly what he should do for his profession. I don't know. God may or may not have specifically told some individuals that they are to be teachers and others to be farmers and others to retire early and so on and so forth. It doesn't really matter. What matters most of all is that you love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And whatever you do, you do it to his glory, which means that you do it well with every ability that God has given you to do that thing. If you teach, teach well and give him the glory. If you make something, make it well and give him the glory. If you manage, then manage well and give him the glory. So we ask the question, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God in whatever it is that we find ourselves doing. I want to talk about glorify for a minute. This is a word that we use, we're familiar with, maybe we don't really understand. So the Hebrew uh, base word for glorify, I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to try. But the general concept is that there's something that has weight to it. So think about gold. I don't know, maybe you've not held much gold. It would be nice if we all got to hold more gold, right? Um, Or some other type of metal that is heavy. There is some weight to it. Gold, a gold coin is heavier than a silver coin because gold weighs more. And so we think about glory, we think about there's, there is something in it that has more weight to it, more importance to it. So when we're talking about glorifying, the question is, what carries the most weight in your life? What is the most important thing 
in your life? That's a really good question. What is it that has the most weight or importance or value in your life? And the answer is, if it's anything other than glorifying God, if it's anything other than loving Him, then you have something out of order. Revelation 4.11 reminds us this, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and are created. We don't create anything. We can take something and rearrange it, and we can call that a creation, but the reality is we don't make anything out of nothing. Only God does that. And when we understand... That while we can make beautiful things, whether we, again, manage well, we farm well, we write beautiful things, we make beautiful uh, music, whatever it is that we think that we're making, all we're doing is using what God has already given us to give Him glory. Early composers, just as an example, understood this. Which is why many of them would write in Latin and various phrases, different things that said, to God be the glory when they turn in their final manuscript. Because they knew that even the music that they seemingly create comes from God. And it's their attempt to give Him the glory, to give Him the greater weight in our lives than what we do on our own. So we are to glorify, this is very specific, uh, man's chief end is to glorify who? To glorify God. This is really, really hard for us. Let me read a verse. Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let me read that the way that many of us live our lives. You ready? I'm going to change it. For from us and through us and to us are all things. To us be the glory forever. Amen. Let me change it one more time. For from me and through me and to me are all things. To me be the glory forever. Amen. We really live our lives like this a lot. And we don't even realize it. We spend more time thinking that life is about me, about what I want, what I'm going to do, who I'm going to talk to, how much money I'm going to make, all about me, 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 thinking it comes from me because I do it on my own, at least in our culture. And everything that goes on is centered around me. It's all about me. And to me be the glory forever. But the Bible teaches us is exactly the opposite. It's about him. You see, we can ask the question, what is the chief end of man? And our answer has to be, the main purpose, the main plan, the chief end of man is to glorify God, not myself. To not glorify me, but to glorify Him. It's not about us. It's not about us. We had a wonderful service last Sunday. You know who it wasn't about? What about me? It wasn't about me, and it wasn't about you. It was about him. It was about people who were willing to pray on behalf of other people. It was about people who were willing to stand up and give testify and glorify their Lord and Savior, not themselves. And the more that we can get ourselves out of the way, the more that we can truly look unto him, 
from Him, through Him, to Him, are all things made to Him be the glory forever. The more that we can do that, the more we can reach a lost and dying world because it is not about me, it is not about us. Matthew 5.16 reminds us of this. It says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So there's no doubt that when we go throughout our lives, whatever it is that gets put before us, and I gave you the whole list, that when we do that and do that well, people may look at us and say, good job, well done. And our goal is to accept that and to then share the reason that we do it. The reason that it's done well is because of him, not because of me. Let your light shine before others so that many may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How brightly is our light shining? How brightly is our light shining in this country currently? It's a really serious question. Is whatever we're doing all for the glory of God? Or do we who know the truth of Christians, have we trist, twisted the scripture and gone from for him and through him to for me and by me? We really need to ask ourselves, is our chief end to glorify God? Our main purpose in life is to make God the most important. But that's not the end of the answer that we have here before us, and I believe this Second half of the answer is scriptural as well. To glorify him and enjoy him forever. Do you know we're supposed to be happy? If you were here last Sunday night, you heard the singer repeatedly refer to that, right? We're supposed to be happy, and we should be happy. Why? Because we have the Lord. Because no matter the physical circumstances we're in, no matter what's going on in our lives, we have Him living inside of us. And therefore, we of all people should be joyful and we should enjoy Him the moment we receive Him as our Savior and forever after. We should enjoy Him first above all else that we do. Psalms 37 and 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Boy, have I twisted that scripture before. I focus on that last part, the desires of my heart. Mm. That sounds nice, doesn't it? But we miss the first part. And the reality, fully understanding this scripture correctly, is that if I'm delighting in Him... If I'm living a life for Him, if I am giving my will over to Him, if whatever I'm doing, I'm doing for the glory of God, and if I'm delighting in Him, then whatever I want is what? Whatever He wants. And so He will give it to me. Too many times in my life, I've looked at that verse and thought, well, whatever I desire, God should give it to me. And you probably have too, whether you verbalized it or not. But the reality is when our lives align with Him, when we truly desire to know Him and to be with Him and to grow with Him, when we delight ourselves in Him, then the desire of my heart becomes what? 
his desires for me. And so, young person, if you really want to know what God wants you to do, starting now and for the rest of your life, delight in him. And whatever you find to do, do it for his glory. What happens when we do that? Well, when we delight in him, then we find purpose in our lives. This is really key. I've mentioned this a few times in the past. I think one of the reasons that we're having such issues within our society today is because not only have we removed any discussion of there being a God, we've removed any process that there might be a higher purpose. We've taken it all away. You're just here on accident. A couple people got together, a couple of cells mingled, and there you are. Where'd the world come from? I don't know. Something blew up and we're just here. What's the purpose in life? I guess to be happy. We've taken away every foundational principle that we have lived on and built successful societies for thousands upon thousands of years by denying the very reality that we came from somewhere, that we are going somewhere, and there is a purpose to get from here to there. And so people are hopeless, and they find no pure joy in their life. And if any of you have experimented with this, and I'm not being critical, you can understand what I'm talking about. At a certain point, it doesn't matter how much stuff you put inside of your life, you're empty inside. At a certain point, it doesn't matter how many relationships you've sought, it becomes empty and meaningless. How much money you pursue becomes empty and meaningless. If you don't know that there's a purpose in life, then everything you do has no value. And you just throw up your hands and say, well, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be and just go live your life without hope. The real purpose in life, the real joy in life, the real value and riches in life comes from knowing that there is a purpose, comes from knowing that there is a Lord who loves us and we are to spend our entire life loving him, whatever it is that we're doing to do it for his sake. And when we do that, we will have great joy. We will know our purpose in life and we will enjoy him now and forever. Psalm 73 and 25 says, whom have I in heaven, but you, there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. And here the psalmist tells us the great truth that we should all understand. Whom and I have heaven but you. There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Good times, bad times, when we desire after God, that is the point of life. That is the end of man, is to glorify him and enjoy him now and forever. When we have found the Lord, we then find the purpose and the richness that is in our lives. And our focus will be on him beginning now and forever. I want to close reading a few verses from the book of John, chapter 17, that I think summarize what I hope is the point of this. 
In John chapter 17, sometimes it's subtitled the High Priestly Prayer. Of course, that's not in the original. That's just a way for us to understand what's going on. This is a prayer that Christ prays before he's arrested and betrayed. It is a prayer over his disciples and followers of that time. And specifically, he mentions of those who are to come, which is us. So when I read this, understand this is Christ praying on our behalf, praying for us, because he knew that you were coming. And he was willing to be betrayed and to die and to be buried for three days and to be resurrected for you. And so he prayed this for you. Listen and see how much of this comes together. John chapter 17, beginning with verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father and I in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. And so we see here the purpose of all this. God sent his only son to die for us, to be a sacrifice, to pay the penalty for my disobedience, to pay the sacrifice that was necessary to cover my shamefulness. And he and the Father are one. And that's the same thing that Christ is praying that we would be in him as he is in the Father. As close as God the Father and God the Son were, that's the desire that Jesus is praying over your life, literally speaking directly to you. I'm serious. I mean, I don't even know that I fully appreciate this. Again, when we ask ourselves this question, what does God want for me to do in my life? Well, here's a passage right here where he's speaking directly to you. He is praying this over you. I do not ask for these only, the disciples who were there, but also for those who will believe in me. That's me. And if you've believed, it's you as well. God, and through Jesus Christ, is speaking a prayer over you. And what does he ask for? That you have great wealth? No. That you have tremendous power? 
No. That you rise through the ranks of some political system and can therefore make an edict to make everyone in the country a Christian? No. All he prays is that we would be one with him like he is one with the Father. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. God has a wonderful plan for your life. And it's that you glorify him. That you know him. That you love him, because that's the way he planned it. And through that, the world ends up believing because we glorify Him. When we flip this on its head, when we as believers in Jesus Christ only point to ourselves, when we misinterpret that verse and say, For from me and through me and to me are all things. When we misidentify how we should be living and give ourselves the glory, the world does not see what? Does not see him. It only sees us. And trust me, there is nothing great to look at here because I fail constantly. The only thing I should do, whatever it is that I do, is give God the glory, point to him, and tell everyone I know I live the life that I live for his sake because I love him because he first loved me. And when I do that, when we do that, the world sees not us, but him. And the world is given hope again, finally. Hope that there is a purpose, that there is something to live for. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. The weight, the value that God the Father gave to Jesus Christ, he gives to us. Let me read it again. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. We forget how much God values us sometimes. Not because of my own glory, but because God the Father gave it to the Son, and the Son has given it to me. When I am saved, I become an heir to the kingdom that is His. I become one of His children, and I become valuable in His sight. I have great weight when the Lord saves me. Not because of anything that I did, but because He gives it and bestows it to me. Because my sins are forgiven, and all He sees when He sees me is the sacrifice of His Son covering over my sins and my shortcomings, and I have great value, great weight, and great worth to the Lord. It is transferred to me. And yet we live our lives like somehow our job or our title or whatever possessions we have is more important than that. When we really realize that we have the glory of God given to us, will we not value it and make it the point of our lives? The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me as you have loved me. Father, I desire they also, whom you have given to me, 
may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given. See, this starts at the moment of salvation. This starts at the moment that we are forgiven by him and it continues on forever. Someday, without all the entanglements of this world, without all the distractions, without all the temptations to make it about me, I know that I will pass on, not because of me, but in spite of myself, because God laid his life down for me, that I will be with him forever and see the full glory that is our God. And I will get to experience that glory and participate in that glory forever. How long is forever? You ever just like actually stop to think about that? should try it sometime just for a few minutes. And then think about, compared to forever, how short even a hundred years is. It's literally nothing. The Bible tells us this over and over again. Man is but a vapor, a spark that flies up into the sky, here today and gone tomorrow. So what are we going to do with the unbelievably brief amount of time that we have on this, wor- on this earth? Are we going to focus on me or are we going to focus on him? What is the chief end of man? To glorify him and to enjoy him forever. Because brothers and sisters, when we truly master this ability, or at least we get better at it, we will enjoy our life even in the difficult times because we will see the love of God shining through. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am someday, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Part of verse 26, I think we could apply to ourselves. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known. If that was Christ's purpose, how much less should it be ours? To make his name known in the world. Not to build up things around me. Not to strive after things that disappear. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God. And to enjoy Him forever. And so my challenge today is, Can you answer this question? What are you giving the most weight to, the most glory to in your life? Is it someone else? Is it something else? Or is it truly him? Have you ever thought about what the point of your life is? Are you seeking to know what should I do next? Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I do this? Should I not do this? 
whatever you do, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And so, brothers and sisters, I encourage us to ask ourselves these questions so that we can answer them. Consider asking and memorizing as our brothers and sisters did centuries ago. What's the end of man? To glorify him and to enjoy him forever. Because I think at times when we quiet ourselves just enough to answer, we'll have to evaluate, am I doing a good job? Or have I replaced glorifying him with glorifying me? Pray with me as we close. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I thank you for this reminder. Lord, I pray that it works in a powerful way in our lives. Lord, that you would constantly remind us this question. Lord, that it would nag in our conscience. Lord, that at the times that we are quiet, at the times that we are busy, at the times that we are trying to decide whether to go this way or that way, Lord, even the times that we're content with wherever we think that we're at, Lord, may you remind us What is the chief end of man? What is the purpose of my life? And challenge me to glorify you and to enjoy you now and forever. And so, Lord, I pray for those who never experienced your love, Lord, that they would come to you. Lord, that they would know you, that they would start the journey, Lord, And for those of us who are here who do know you, whether we've known you for only a few days or we've known you for a few years or a few decades, Lord, I pray that you would help us to glorify you in all that we do, whatever it is that we do. Every message that we send, every phone call that we make, every conversation that we have, every day that we go to work, every day that we interact with someone else, who is alive, Lord, I pray that you would help us to glorify you and not ourselves. Lord, this is the chief end of man, to glorify you and to enjoy you. And Lord, I pray even for those who may not be enjoying you at the moment. Lord, who are struggling with something. Lord, who have lost the joy that the salvation of us brings. Lord, I pray that you would renew that in their lives. Lord, if that means something that needs to be stopped, something that needs to be pushed away so that we can truly enjoy you, then Lord, help us to identify what that is and give us the strength and the power to push that out of our lives. But Lord, let us not have a vacuum, Lord. Bring you in. So Lord, I pray that you would help us if we have something else that we are enjoying, something else that we are giving glory to, help us to identify and remove it so that we can truly insert you, which is our chief end, to glorify and love you. Lord, I know that you hear us. I know that you care about us. And I'm thankful that you gave us this word directly to us today. Thousands of years after you spoke it, Lord, it has been recorded and rings true in our ears and true in our spirit, Lord, that you love us, that you want us to be one with you as you are one with the Father. Lord, that you remind us that you have given glory to us from you, not my own glory, but yours. Lord, that I am precious to you. Lord, help me to consider you the same. Help me to live a life 
and walk a walk that is worthy of the call that you've given me. Help me to love you with all of my heart, my soul, my strength, and my mind. In your name we pray.